problem with the alien is they, most people are either in awe or in fear of them. The second thing they did was to ram a needle-like device with a long needle with a silver sphere on the end of it and ran it up my nasal passage. You're not going to find any evidence digging around where I'm at because I've already got it. Why? Because I understand the alien. I know how this stuff's going to go down, just like I have the rest of it. I got the biggest collection of physical evidence, probably, than all the investigators out there put together. Now, there's a reason. It's not bragging. It's I know who I'm hunting. These things are made, hatched, cloned, and manufactured for the purpose. All right, we are back, and we are at the Skydancer UFO conference here in Houston. I have somebody that is one of the most requested researchers uh, for me to interview um, because your face is all over YouTube, uh, interviews, lectures. Uh, we have Daryl Sims, or Mr. Daryl Sims. I don't know if you want me to call you Daryl, Mr. Sims. Uh, Daryl Sims is fine, I work for a living, I'm not a sir. <laughs> and that's a military thing for some of the non-military people out there. But uh, Daryl, I really appreciate it. Uh, this is gonna be a treat, a privilege, an honor to have you on, and thank you very much, sir. I'm excited to speak to your audience. I'm, I'm going to be interested to hear who's out there listening. Um, hopefully it's not your, the company that you <laughs> used to be with. But uh, so for the few that may be unfamiliar with you, you know, there's always a few out there. But like I said, you're all over uh, YouTube and interviews, lectures and stuff. What, what you've been doing this for 30, 40 years now. Um, but explain a little bit about you um, and how you got into this research with alien phenomena, abductions, etc. The bottom line is, I, I, I think the best way to describe how I became involved with the UFO phenomena is I was a captive audience at age four. The entity was in my room. I sat up, I realized something's wrong with the room, and there he is. And a skinny, spindly, cosmic skinhead is uh, walking toward the wall. He's fixing to bump into it, in my opinion. And I didn't realize he'd actually walked through the wall, and I'd just been brought back. So uh, the the thing that shocked me about that whole event, uh, and I'll make this as short as possible, is uh, I I said to myself, you know, he's going to bump into the wall. Who is this? And so on. All these natural little questions that somebody's in your room in the middle of the night. And he turned around instantly as if he was listening to my thoughts. And the weirdest thing happened to me. I heard him mentally say, it's awake. And I realized he's talking about me. I'm an it. So that told me a lot about uh, about him since I think about that as a, from childhood. And the first thing I noticed is he didn't have any clothes on. He didn't have a belly button. And he didn't have, as a little kid would say, four years old, he didn't have a TT. Which means that uh, now I realize if you don't have a genitalia, you don't procreate. You didn't get here the way we did if you don't have a belly button, so to speak. You don't have a navel. You you were hatched, cloned, made, or manufactured. And in my opinion, that's what we're looking at. The alien is nothing more than a transgenic being that's been shown all through history, and that's what I gave in my presentation today. And that was a really good presentation, by the way. Um, what What is your the most bizarre encounter you have had with an alien uh, or 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 whatever, what's the most bizarre 
case that you have worked on? Well, and I, I think your audience probably would rather, from a practical point of view, how would that re reference to me? The most unusual experience for me uh, was uh, an experience that happened when I was 12 years old. And uh, the strange thing is I heard my mother's voice, which didn't make any sense to me. I mean, and I didn't wake up hearing my mother's voice. I was like switched on. I mean, set in bed, just wide, wide, wide awake. And I can hear my mother's voice, but the problem is they're at the other end of the house and the door shut. There's no way. I mean, somebody's obviously playing with me. They're mentally, they're they're mimicking my mother's voice. And they they do stuff like this, and she says for me to go outside and look at the. There's a new star in the Pentine. Now, there's no such thing as a star system called the Pentine, but the fact is that my mother. Uh, it's my mother's voice, and I automatically know about the star system in the Pentine, which doesn't make any sense at all, which goes back to programming. Somebody's already pre-programmed this little show to go on. So I walk outside. It's wintertime. It's cold. And I look out in, on the horizon, and I see this really big, bright light. And I'm in New Mexico, 1305 Ohio Street in New Mexico. And the really weird thing about this whole business and, and I hate to use a movie as an illustration, but it's like in the movie Phenomenon where the, the guy's walking out in the street, looks up and sees this big, bright light, and boom. And next thing I know, that's pretty much what happened. It just got bigger and bigger and brighter. And the next thing I know, I'm in a circular room. Is it a UFO? I don't know. It's a circular room, and the same cosmic skinhead that always gets me is there. And his boss, who's a little taller than he is, who's a lot smarter than he is, is... Uh, there and I'm on a on a I call it the slab. It's a hard device, uh, just some type of a bed or it's like either concrete or metal or something. It's hard. It's cold, and I'm on. There's a very bright light above me, and my feet are elevated 11 degrees, and I am horrified because uh, the problem with the alien is they most people are either in awe or in fear of them. They're either you're overwhelmed. If you're a contactee, you're in awe. I'm in the school of higher consciousness and all this. No, you're really not. Or you're in awe. You're you're scared. You know, like oh my god. You know they're gonna you you. you it's it's a it's these are programs. They're running on you. It's just that simple. One will make you an abductee. The other will make you a contactee. You don't kind of get to choose after that. So uh, I the problem is when the alien. Uh, they generally try to block you off and give you a screen memory at this point so that you will not remember exactly what really went on. You, they try to give you something like, again, you're in the school of higher consciousness or whatever whopper they want to push on you. And so what I did uh, is I started to realize that when they shut you off, you can turn yourself back on. You don't have to be a victim just because they said you can't hear anything, you won't feel this, you won't know that. Uh, that's not necessarily true. That's what you want. Now, the question is, what do I want? What I want is to get inside his head like he's inside mine. Well, if you turn yourself back on and you pay attention in certain particular ways, you can actually get inside the alien's headspace just like he did yours, which means you have access to his information too. Uh, that's something they don't want you doing, and there are very specific ways they 
they things they do to make sure that that won't happen. So when I was 12, uh, the problem is when the alien thinks, they think in big pictures and whole, tons of information is are put out there very quickly. And I started to cry at age 12 because I realized exactly what they're going to do to me. Because it's already in his head, so I already know. I mean, he. I mean, I'm sure he didn't have a clue. Oh, what what's a weird little kid's crying for? You know, they don't care anyway. To be anything to them, it's like a cattle cattle they're mutilating. They don't care whether it bellows or not. Just get the job done. So I realized they're going to do something terrible, and they did. And uh, and I had some of this verified by the VA hospital. Uh, the uh, uh, ENT uh, uh, looked at me one time and he said, when did you get the surgery inside your nose? Of course, I lied and I said, what, what surgery? What are you talking about? I got it when I was 12. And that's part of what they did. The second thing they did was to uh, ram a needle-like device with a long needle with a silver sphere on the end of it and ran it up my nasal passage, broke the bones and it, there was no pain. There was no, no pain relief or no suggestion. You won't feel this or anything. They didn't care. It make any difference. Anyway, you scream all you want to scream as loud as you want in space. Nobody's going to hear you. So it doesn't matter to them if they could care less. And they broke the bones. I felt it, felt it broke, break my bones inside the nasal passage. And then uh, the objects went, felt like the needle was back behind my eye. And when he pulled the needle device out, the little sphere was gone. So that was my first acquaintance to the, um, an indoctrination to the <laughs> alien implant program. Not, I didn't discover it. I simply had it happen. So what kind of alien was it? Was it a gray or? Both the, the um, two aliens involved was the small gray, the little short guy, which has an IQ of about 80, which is not much higher than a moron. And they make huge mistakes, and people they take take this personally and get upset. I, I'm describing the entity. I'm sorry if it upsets people. Uh, he's not very intelligent. He can't put your clothes right uh, right half the time. He'll put if there's two or three people there. Sometimes he'll get someone else's clothes mixed up with yours. He doesn't get it. He he's made hatch clone, made manufactured this way on purpose. So if you ever caught him, basically you've got nothing. Uh, now, the doctor type who's like him, looks just like him, but taller, he's a lot smarter than he is. He's got an IQ of about 140, and he's real smart. That guy is, uh, he's if there's going to be a surgical procedure, an implantation, or something like that done, which uh, i give your audience a big hint, 99% of the people out there watch this goes, oh my gosh, I've got an implant. You really don't. Yeah, I do. No, you don't. Uh, people are doing that. They're trying to sell you a book. And uh, I, I wrote the book literally on implants. I know what I'm talking about. And most people do not have an alien implant in that sense of the word, a physical object that's embedded in them and so on. And I look at hundreds of x-rays every year, and I'm telling you that <laughs> the objects, most of the objects we find inside people are explainable, and they're not alien implants. And this is testable, by the way. And something we were talking about uh, just a while ago, pre-recording this, um, I asked you, how come, I, I have to say most researchers out there, because I would say it is at least 90% of researchers out there don't bring hard proof or evidence to the table like you do. What's going on here? 
Well, I, I, I right, overly developed right brain people tend to tell stories instead of just lay out facts. And I'm one of those, so I'll tell the story. Uh, Bob Bigelow uh, called me on the phone after my, I did, I conducted the first two implant surgeries in Camarillo, Cal, uh, California, 1995. And uh, within a couple of days, the news was like wildfire on the internet. And so I get this phone call and uh, this uh, gentleman on the phone says, this is Bob Bigelow. And I said, well, what do I owe the owner of the call? And he says, uh, I've got five doctors here with me, five people with PhDs. One guy got has two PhDs and an MD. And we're all standing around the phone listening. And I've got a big question for you. You seem to know where evidence is at that none of us even knew existed. And you seem to be able to find a lot of it. What do you owe the explanation to that? And I said, um, if you want to go find a donut, go find a cop. And they didn't think that was very funny. They didn't laugh at all. Well, I got news for you. It wasn't a joke. I'm telling them the truth. And this is the answer to your question. I said, if you want to find evidence from the, from the alien, go find a Native American tracker that understands the alien. And you'll find your evidence. Well, long story short, several years ago, that's 1995 back then. Uh, about a year and a half ago, uh, one of my abductees called me and he said, there's two guys that are ex-special agents uh, from the FBI here on my my property. And they, I said, they intimidate you? He said, yeah. I said, put them on the phone. He said, well, I'm so-and-so and I'm an ex-special agent from uh, the FBI and so is my buddy. And I said, well, I, I, let me explain some things to you, sir. X doesn't mean anything to me. All my exes live in Texas. And I said, uh, you know, that's a joke. I said, but the fact is, uh, I don't like you on the property. There are bits in my abductee without my permission. You don't have any business being there. You're scaring these people half to death. And you don't scare or intimidate me in any way, shape, or form. Let me explain to you something perhaps you can understand, Mr. Special Ex-Agent. I said, back in the late 60s, uh, the CIA and the FBI wanted the liaison. They're actually going to, in other words, they're going to take an FBI guy and put him in the CIA with everybody's permission. So they'll, you know, this is our first attempt to, for us to really communicate and do the right thing, that sort of thing. He said, yeah, so what? I said, it was your guy that was going into the company. He said, yeah. I said, we owned that monkey from day one. Yeah. we owned him it was our plan that's what you mean to me Mr. Special Agent nothing you don't intimidate me and I said I have respect for the FBI I do I've worked with them on cases for kidnapping and all kinds of stuff I do I said, but I don't I have any respect for you whatsoever coming up there intimidating people thinking you're going to steal the bio biological evidence there you're looking for yeah, we didn't find any. I said, then I must have done a pretty good job because I got it all. What was his response? Well, don't you, don't you want to uh, have all that tested by the best scientists? Said, what makes you think that won't happen? I said, you go tell Bob that uh, if he wants to talk to me about evidence, you don't need to send two ex-special agents to do it. Talk to me. You don't send people like you. That's how you get things done. I said, until then, I'll just keep all the evidence. 
just like I have the rest of it. I got the biggest collection of physical evidence, probably than all the investigators out there put together. Now, there's a reason. It's not bragging. It's I know who I'm hunting, and I'll cap this with one other story. We did after we did the uh, first set of surgeries, uh, the Bigelow team, real good group of people. I don't care what anybody says. Eighteen scientists, good people. They said uh, they they had a big meeting and they said we want to pay for and study your alien implants from your first surgeries. You pick out any implants you want. And I did. And I said, I'll do that under this condition. It'd be a blinded study. Nobody gets to know anything about where they came from, what they are, just they're these ob metal objects. And that's it. And he said, agreed, done. He said, we can be very excited. He says, well, aren't you excited? And I said, about what? Daryl, They've turned down everybody in the UFO community. They don't, didn't have any interest in their <laughs> projects. Hands down, they voted, this is it. We want to look at these implants. This is great stuff. And I said, well, um, yeah, that's fine, but that's not what I want. I said, you're telling me what they want and what you want. That's what you want is for me to do to hand these things over and for them to show that they're extraterrestrial in origin. That's what you want. Because to you, that means it's alien. I said, that's not what I want. I said, I already know it's extraterrestrial. I've already been there. What I, time frame are, I didn't mean to cut you off. What time frame are we looking at here? Where, was this when This was in 19, uh, 1996 uh, now. Okay. 96, uh, Bigelow and, and his crew and, uh, they're going to do this big scientific study for us. And that was wonderful. However, as I told Bob, I said, he said, well, what do you want? I said, well, thank you for asking. I said, I'm the guy looking for this stuff. I'm the one finding it. You should ask me what I want, not what you want. But I already know what you want. You're in the science business. You want to see if it's extraterrestrial. Is it really alien? Is it really this? All those really big UFO questions. I said, that doesn't mean a hill of beans to me. I already know it's extraterrestrial. I already know where it came from. I know the I know everything about this stuff. I said, what I want you to do is get on with the next set of tests. He said, what tests would those be? I said, well, we study the isotopic ratios of each of the elements and the metals involved. Well, what would that tell us? Bob, it, it, if you want to find a donut, you'll find a cop. You know, like the other, like the two they sent later, they've been better off looking for a donut shop. She's not going to find any evidence digging around where I'm at because I've already got it. Why? It's because I understand the alien. I know how this stuff's going to go down. So, as I told him, I said, uh, what that will tell us, Bob, is it will give us, the isotopic ratios will give us an idea of where these elements came from. I said, when we found a meteorite in Antarctica, where did it come from? Well, we actually knew because we had some soil samples from Mars and the metals contained in there, the, some of the iron substance matched the iron in the, the giant meteorite they found in Antarctica. So that tells us where the original metal came from, from the meteorite. It's the same thing, Bob. And he said, well, what will that tell us if we know where these metals come from that are in these implants. I said, it'll tell me where he's mining. I said, I'm the alien hunter, Bob. That's not some 
just some title that some some reporter gave me back in 1990, whenever it was, 92, 93. I said, the point is that the term means just what it says. I hunt them that hunted me and later hunted my son. I'm a big guy. I can live with it if you mess with me. But you mess with my kids and I will come after you. I don't care if you're from another planet, another dimension, or where you're at. And I, I will hunt you down and I will find you. And it's just that simple. And now the predator, uh, is, everything switched. Now the prey is the predator. Very well said, uh, Daryl. Now, with your time with the company, Alphabet Agency, CIA, um, you was, were you researching this then? And, and if so, did they know about your, um, I guess your abduction or whatever, whenever you were 12 years old? Yeah. Well, I have several answers to that. Number one, my media consultant uh, would tell you immediately, that's the reason they chose you. Uh, I'm not so sure about that. Now, I'm not saying it's not true. I just don't. I was never asking any questions about UFOs or anything like that. I was never any special secret CIA training plan. Look, if I wanted to be a big shot back in 1990s, early, all I had to do is say, I'm in the secret space program and I know all the following. I got all the big secrets. And then I could get all your money. You pay me the all kind of stuff and I can be a big shot. And lie like some of these other folks have done. Mm. But the fact is, it just ain't true. The, the fact is that now was I doing UFO cases, investigating UFO cases while I was in the company? The answer is absolutely yes. The, the company was not involved in any way, shape, or form. Did they, during the time I was in the company, did they have a UFO program where they looked at you? Of course they were. They have been since the 30s. Uh, I say 30s. The, the military has been looking at it since the 30s and 40s. But the CIA didn't come into the operation until around 47, 48, uh, after the Roswell crash, of course. <laughs> Secret oh, societies developed. Go figure. Yeah. I can't imagine how that would happen. <laughs> but the point is that... Uh, I was not involved in uh, with the company involved in there, but they did. They have an operation, of course they did. Of course they did. If you knock on the front door, of the, of the, of the of the gate at, at Langley, and say I want to talk to the CIA guys concerning UFOs and aliens, they're going to tell you turn your vehicle around and get off the property because they think you're nuts because they don't have a clue what you're doing. They don't. They don't have a clue. But there are people in the company and 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 naval, officer naval investigations and a few other little places that do know. And you're never going to get to that that piece of information. You can just forget that. And people are sitting there, well, I have a deep, deep, deep contacts inside, you know, really deep stuff. Right. Yeah, well, I got some cheap land I'll sell you. I just don't buy it. I just don't buy it at all. First of all, I go to prison for divulging the very things that I, I have from a top secret clearance. I'll go to prison for that. You, on the other hand, so to speak, the other person that I would be speaking to here, well, they've got all these deep, deep, deep contacts in the CIA and the NSA and everywhere. Really? Well, if that were true, why are you not in prison? Because you're making it all up. You are, even if you have somebody that's feeding you good information, you're what we refer to as a useful idiot. You've already been selected 
you're part part of a program of disinformation that works wonderful, and there are several of them in the in the UFO community, in my opinion, and they've been played for everything they're worth. And that's uh, I just sit there and I I can't say a word because if I do, there's aha. Well, you're going to expose that person. Why well, you're nothing but CIA spy yourself. So I'll just keep my big mouth shut. Let everybody spend all their money on these pokes and do whatever. And <laughs> you, if you can't figure it out, I can't help you. So I heard you mention before that aliens are actually machines. Um, explain to us a little more about that, Daryl, in detail uh, about that statement. Well, the the statement to be completely accurate is because uh, people ask these questions: Who, are, what's the alien? How's this? And so on. <clears throat> there are multiple answers for the question about the alien. The first, uh, the the question should be framed, in my opinion: uh, What are the aliens? And in chapter twelve of my book on implants, uh, my uh, co-writer Pat Gray, a nurse, says we really need a good zinger for this chapter. And I said, okay, what is what do you want to do? And she said, well, something good about the aliens. I said, okay, uh, do aliens have implants? She's what a great question. Wow. That's going to be great for the chapter. And I said, okay. She's do they? I said, sweetie, aliens are implants. These things are made, hatched, cloned and manufactured for the purpose made hatched, Cloned, that's not all the same process or manufactured for the purpose of interaction with mankind to make you think they're aliens from other planets. Now, before some of our listeners get all been out of shape, well, you said all aliens. I didn't say that. I said this seven flavors we're looking at. It's like a car company. You go down to the Chevy company and there's a Chevette down there for the folks who can't afford the good stuff. And there's a Corvette Stingray on the other end if you want to spend some bucks. So that's kind of neat. Uh, so you've got the little gray with the IQ of about 80 on one end, and you've got the Nordic and the uh, other characters over that. Praying Manus about seven and a half foot tall. He's got an IQ a lot higher than that uh, cosmic skinhead standing over there, I guarantee you. But the fact is, some of these beings are hatched, cloned, made, or manufactured, some of them, the best way to describe them, they are in fact transgenics. A transgenic, a chimera, is two, at least two species put together, made, manufactured, hatched. Again, you can call it anything you want. Some of these entities are biomechanical. Some of you, sometimes there'll be four or three or four aliens and they'll move literally in synchronicity. It's like watching a movie, like four of them at a time. Like, Weird. They're all moving the same way. Those are probably strictly mechanical or biomechanical. Some of these entities, there are craft out there that are like this as well. It's not just the alien. And uh, as for they live on another planet, they live most. I seriously doubt that. I, I have found no planet I think they live on. I can show you film footage, NASA and other film footage, of craft hundreds of miles big. We have one craft that 50 miles thick, 600 miles across that we, uh, uh, that some of our people are taken to in a mass abduction. That's another story altogether. It's called the December 8th, 1992 mass abduction. And um, the reason they were all taken to this massive craft is because I designed a plan to get to the alien. 
I got tired of them always taking us. I wanted to see if we could, you know, turn the tables around. And it apparently worked because they were real bent out of shape about that. When they brought that, my senior investigator is an engineer, and they brought him in there. And the very first thing, the guy, the, there was the cosmic, the so-called aliens in charge weren't. The seven of them, all seven flavors are standing right there in front of the big guy sitting in the chair. And he's looking as serious as a heart attack at my senior investigator. And he looks at him, and when he asks a question, you better have the answer, and it better be clear and totally true. And the Nordics and all the others, the Greys and all of them are standing over there. They're shaking. They're, this guy, is he's, he's from mid-level management. And there's two of them, one in one room and him in this room. And he's looking at Dale, and he says, why did he do this? And he, was, he said, your name came up, your picture, everything about you, and exactly what happened. He said, then I realized at that point why we had all been taken. You pulled this off. And I said, sure. He said, well, why didn't you tell me? I said, because you're an abductee, Dale. You would have told him everything. Yeah, I would have. I said, just like you did. I didn't want you to know anything because I didn't want them to know anything. If I want them to know everything, I'll tell an abductee because you'll squeal like a pig. You'll tell them everything, that, everything. All I got to do is put you in the school of higher consciousness or tell you you're special, you're unique, you're different than all of the others. You're whatever. Or they'll scare you half to death and make you think they're going to mutilate you. Whatever it takes to get you to squeal, you're going to do it. Or they'll bring the most beautiful woman in the world. Oh my God, she's so incredible. She's everything I ever wanted in a woman. Oh my gosh. And it'll be a cosmic skinhead mimicking a woman. It doesn't make any difference. Whatever it takes to get you to squeal, they're going to get it done. I said, I know them like, like I wrote the book on them. And eventually I will. Got another one just for that. Because there are other people out there that are not, that are not taken up by all this. They actually get pretty much what's kind of going on. They don't know how to go get all this stuff, but they at least want to know. And that's what my next book is going to be about, how for them to be able to do that. But the aliens, uh, some of them are biological, some of them are strictly biological, some of them are this. But the important thing that, that most of our abductees who have a, have a sense of uh, understanding in their abduction, like one woman has taken a, name, a lady named Maria. She's sitting there all stunned. Oh my God, this is incredible. And she's so impressed with him and everything. And then all of a sudden, it, she finally snaps out of that and reaches over with her palm and touches him on the chest, says, Oh my God, he has no soul. You finally got that. You figured that out. I, I was delighted that she did, but I mean, how many 25, 30 years you've been abducted and you still never even suspected? You're exactly right. And uh, the the main thing, the, the guys in the, on the big craft, the, the two primary guys were, and, oh, I got to tell you this because your, your audience will love this. Dale says, I don't know why he did this. Well, the guy sitting in the big chair got mad. Oh, he was fuming. And everybody was shaking. They're like, I mean, his guy could end all of your careers. He could have you all step outside for breath of fresh air, if you like, you know, and that'd be the end of all of you guys. I mean, he's got the authority to do all kinds of stuff. So the Nordic who stands about six foot six goes over to Dale, who stands six, two, 
puts his face to face suit and forehead to forehead to Dale's and with his big, beautiful blue eyes, oh, it's so beautiful, so alluring, puts his eyes next to Dale's and looks at him very carefully, puts his hands on both sides of his face and looks back at the big guy sitting in the, in the big chair and says, he doesn't know. And with that, the guy cools down because he realizes he actually doesn't get it. So at this point, they realize I've hoodwinked them. You're not going to get anything from these people because none of them have a clue. None of them. So we could spend the whole time on this. I won't, but I'm just underscoring this to let people realize that the alien's not in charge. Oh, yes, but but the, the reptile's in charge. Of this. There, there, are, there are gradations, and if, Look, if an entity has a has a coat on or a cloak or clothing of any kind, he's already really important. If he doesn't have any clothes on, he's not that big a deal. It's a sign of rank and and uh, and forget the word respect. Respect doesn't exist among them. Fear. They when when they they, they say things like, "Well, I, the alien came in the room. I was paralyzed. I couldn't move. I, I couldn't do anything." He's transferring his fear from himself to you. It's his fear, not yours. I never had a fear like that because it isn't your fear. It's his. reason you can't even imagine one like that because there never was one like that for you. It's his. He lives in a, in a society like that. And if you don't understand that about Dalian, you're going to miss the barn by 15 yards. It's not going to happen. The biggest problem we have as abductees, contactees, or researchers, or whomever you are, or casual reader, is that you apply your standards of humanity, the highest good that you have, to them, because they're far higher than us, uh, in whose opinion. Kidnapping is still a crime where I come from. And taking things as... I've got cases. Uh, I did a, a presentation last week, uh, and that's not true, a couple of weeks ago at the Houston UFO Network on uh, human mutilations. Not animal, human. And I had plenty of cases. And you talked about, one lady was so upset. She says, but I did it very tastefully. I mean, it wasn't, I didn't show a bunch of horrible graphics up, but I did show enough that you're like, oh my gosh, why would they do that? That's a great question. You should have asked that 25 years ago instead of today. But the fact is, uh, I said, you know, it doesn't make any sense to me why they would skin alive an elderly woman in her bed, never leave a drop of blood, and put her back in bed, you know. And isn't that, how scientific is that really? What great moral uh, trepidation do they have to do that? You know? Now, what's really weird What's good for the goose isn't good for the gander. What if I catch one of them and do the same thing to them? Well, how immoral. Why are you applying these morals to me when I'm barely pond scum and they're like million light years ahead of us? Well, the first of all, they're not. And I'll reference this one thing too. When we're doing the shoot for Uncovering Aliens, the, the TV show, uh, we're interviewing Dr. Bob Wood at Sedona. And he says, when we got to take a break, it was really hot. We were going to take a water coat break. And he, Dr. Bob Wood said, Daryl, could I speak to you a moment? I said, sure, Doc. And he said, I want to everybody to leave. He said, now, in your time in the, in the CIA, he, list, he made this man's name known to me. He said, was he, we think he was an assassin during that time period. 
do you know him? I said, I did not. I said, regretting, I, I said, I do did know of several assassins personally, and he's not on that list. And I said, uh, but the idea that see, I just go there and kills anybody want, that's just not true. To sanction somebody, that's a big deal. Well, I see how you didn't like me, so they're, I'm a UFO guy, so they're going to kill me tomorrow. That's the biggest bunch of hogwash I have ever heard in my entire life. I said, why in the world do they want you, who has nothing, and I have all this stuff, and I'm still alive? Well, it's because you're a big CIA spy. You're still working for them. You're in it, you know. <laughs> I, I just get tired of this stuff. I just, you know, whatever. Whatever floats your boat. Uh, the fact is that they don't, the CIA doesn't care anything about me, but they do care about the people who contact me. For instance, I was on Art Bell one night, and uh, I just dropped a, a few terms we might use in the company just to see who was listening. And I mean to tell you, my webmaster, who's an he's ex-cryptologist, he called me the next morning cussing. I said, don't talk to me like that. What did you do last night on our bell? We had 250 hits on the. I said, well, that's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. We have 250 hits. And he said, no, you don't understand. 250 hits from the intelligence community. What did you say? I said, well, I just want to see if anybody's listening. Don't ever do that again. He said, three of the hits came from the inside. They were NSA computers inside the White House. You think I'm making this stuff up? Later, a woman shows up, hand to God, true story, because two of my doctors were present. They called me over. They said, we want you to come over here and meet this lady. So I, I was out in L.A. at the time, went over and met her, and I, I, I recognize her now, but I didn't know who she was back then. Very pretty lady, dark hair, identified herself as Hillary's best friend, very best friend. And I'm like, okay, why am I here? What, what does this have to do with me? She says, well, don't you want some money for your research? That's a young lady. I didn't vote for your your guy, so to speak. Uh, research money that comes like that often gets investigated, maybe even years later, and they always hang the little people. They never get the ones who sponsored it. You get all free, and I get to go to jail. No, I'm not interested. I don't like dirty money. She just giggled and smiled. She said, well, the Clintons are really interested in your work. And I said, okay. And she said, could I have your two videos, one on best evidence and so on? I said, sure. And um, anyway, long story short, she came back in business again, second time. Are you sure you don't want any money? I said, no, ma'am. I said, yeah, I, 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 could, I could get done... I could be light years ahead of where I'm at if I had the proper money. I said, but I don't like tainted money, and I don't like where it's coming from. That's just the truth of it. And I'm sorry, I'm. It's just not political. I said, this is this is about research, and I don't like money that I, in my opinion, would be tainted. You don't want to sell out. That's not. I'm not for sale. But there are plenty of people that are. I'm not one of them. Uh, back to. The, the aliens uh, being created or, or machines, um, which uh, is kind of a two-part question. Which aliens are, I guess, manufactured? And secondly, um, 
so it it is here on Earth. Some rogue element is creating these machines. Well, there's only two views about the alien, quote unquote, the alien, the ancient alien type idea, the origin of them. First of all, a huge mistake is made when you put the alien in the same category. It's not them. The alien is made, hatched, cloned, or manufactured by the ones who often the ancient aliens are talking about in the on the TV show. And I've tried to explain this to them a dozen times, and it doesn't seem to get through until finally about an hour and a half later, they said, wait a minute. If your DNA work and other stuff that we're looking at is correct, then we're all wrong. I said, I thought I said that an hour and a half ago. What are you missing? But that doesn't sell. I, just the truth of it. And I, 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 I like these people. I enjoy them. I get along with them. I, I, I get along with everybody. I really do. I don't trash people who have different viewpoints. I, I listen to anything. But uh, the, the real issue is uh, in Sitchin's work, in his original work, uh, he's a Sumerian uh, uh, scholar, supposedly, uh, that it says, they that came down from the heavens came to earth and all that. And it, you think that's the alien. It isn't. That's the guys who made hash clone or manufactured them. Forget the word alien. Think of these guys as you know, they came down from the heavens. Well, now, if if heaven is out of the, a location where God is at or whatever, and then you read in the Hebrew, because that's what bothered me. I read Sitchin's work, and I wait a minute. That's not what it says in Hebrew. You're a Hebrew scholar, and you're a, a, a Sumerian scholar. Why can't you translate Hebrew correctly? So I went to a friend of mine who's a Hebrew, a Gartic, and Sumerian scholar as well. And I said, why can't this guy translate Hebrew and some of these languages properly? Why is he giving a slant to make it look like these Raelians? Why don't he just tell the truth? These are fallen angelics. That's all there is to it. That's, it's in pretty much every culture anywhere. I've been, to, I just got back from India. It's the same stuff over there. It's the same transgenic beings are over there as they are over in Samaria and they were in Hebrew country and different parts of the world. It's the same guys. You're, but the problem is everybody says, oh, no, these are all aliens. No, they're not. If you can't figure this out, I can't help you. I've, I'm going to make it as clear as I can. The, the, the beings that came down from the heavens are the fallen angelics. Now, if you got kicked out of the local bar, and you've really been out of shape because you really like that. That really, that's a really cool place. <laughs> and you want to take this really personal. You might want to go to the guy's house that owns the bar or to his park or wherever his favorite place was and trash that place up really good. Well, that's just exactly what they did. They came to a place called Earth, which was a particular, neat, really cool program that he was running down here. And they got in the big middle of it, and they caused all kinds of problems. One of the big problems they did was start interbreeding with women and produce giants. Well, that's just not true. Then you should have seen my presentation today, because the footprints I showed are about this big, and there's people standing in them, and I, it's not human. It, it's human-like. And uh, the, the point is, that program didn't work very well, and then a big flood came, flooded them all out, killed them off except for eight people, then these eight people. Everybody's got their own Noah story, every culture. It, I, don't, I don't care which one you buy into. It doesn't matter to me. 
I'm not arguing the point. I'm just saying that that program ended and then another program started called the Alien Program. Because that one got a lot of folks in trouble. And uh, there were some people locked up in a place called Tartarus, and uh, they're called the 200 Perfects. There's a reason they call them perfect, because they're just nothing like them. They're just, they may be fallen, but I assure you, they are vastly, vastly different than you. And they're vastly different than the alien. The alien would be fortunate if they ever even got to look at them. The alien is so far down on the totem pole, it's just, it's ridiculous. The, <laughs> aliens are far higher than us. <laughs> okay. If you want to buy into that, fine. You know, in a couple of hundred years, maybe maybe you'll figure it out. And within the presentation today, of course, you talked about transgenics and the tampering of DNA. Now, of course, that happened back in the ancient past, correct? This is a two-part question. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, what if back in the ancient past, they were tampering with this, the, this DNA, the DNA, and they had a long-term goal for the human race, and that was to keep parts of their bloodline or certain elements within their DNA uh, to, to, I guess, to live forever. And maybe they are actually still living here physically or maybe just through their DNA. Regardless, they are still here, and maybe that is some of the ones, the major figures, whatever you want to name, you want to call them, elite, cabal, Illuminati, whatever it is, maybe that is some of these figures that are behind the scenes pulling the strings. And and also, do you think that is, are they working alongside with these other uh, extraterrestrial races. Okay, you've you've asked a lot of a lot of questions, very pointed, and, <laughs> and uh, my answers obviously are not going to please everybody because I uh, number one don't have the time, and number two um, is uh, that's a it's a very loaded question. The simple form of it, it's not the final answer, everybody. It's the simple form. It's the Cliff Notes version. Is that the fallen angelics uh, have been. Here, you, I don't care if you use the Sumerian version. I don't care if you use the Warkin version, the Indian ver, India version. I don't care what version you use. Or if all, I like looking at all everything because uh, it gives you a good. I use seven different hats to look at a phenomena. Why? Because my UFO hat. If I'm wearing it, my UFO hat. It has been fooled before. Your UFO hat's been fooled before, and the UFO hats that people wear generally. Uh, They've been fooled before. We've all been fooled. We're currently being fooled by some people right now in the UFO community. But they're real popular and they're, they're a lot of fun to listen to. But that's what makes them makes it easy. Quit wearing your UFO hat and put your cop hat on. You get that cop hat on? I don't care what your story is. You're talking to me now. I'll be looking at your handwriting. I'll be watching you. Every, every movement you make, every nuance, every eye pattern, every, the color and skin the capillary dilation, every detail about you, the tone, pitch, and timbre of your voice, 55% of your communication is your physiology. 38% your tone, pitch, and timbre voice. Only 7% your words. So how much do I care to hear your story? Mm -hmm. I want to see your handwriting. If you have propensity to lie, exaggerate, etc., I'm going to find it. So all of this goes into my cop hat. But I got other hats, too, that are looking at you at the same time. And another one is a profiler hat. 
and it understands the alien extremely well. I can look at bruises, cuts, scars, and things on you from your event and tell you perhaps generally who did it and who's responsible for it, which is rarely the individual that did it. He's just carrying out his orders. He's like a lieutenant. You're never going to get the mafia boss because he didn't tell anybody to do anything. Everybody knows what to do. If he dislikes you, you won't be with us any longer, that sort of thing. So uh, the bottom line is, uh, is it, do I think personally that the aliens are in charge of world governments? Not realistically. Do I think that world that there are people in world government powers that are being controlled by the fallen angelic? Yes, I do. And uh, I think it's it's like uh, marionettes, and they're down there thinking they're they're in charge. They have their own cabal. We're in charge. We get it. We're we're the Illuminati. We get it. We understand everything. You you do what you're told. You you don't have a clue who it is that you channeled and who you no clue whatsoever. Not not even the slightest. And are there bloodlines of people that do that? Of course there are. There have been, and it's provable. But the the big question for me uh, to get out of the conspiracy aspect of it and get into something a little more tangible for me is do the, the are the alien uh, or the fallen angelics specifically are they involved in uh, some part of the of, of the government enterprise and so on? Of course they are. Uh, and and I hate, I'm not trying to be religious here. I'm just telling you that I've all gone full circle. Forty years ago, I started off with the events, the cases, and all kinds of stuff, and it's taken me full circle over forty years. And and Sitchin starts off with spiritual stuff. They came down from the heavens to. And that's not what it says. They were kicked out of heaven, kicked out. Then they came here. So somebody's not happy with what happened. So you can call it anything you want to, but I don't care whether you believe biblical view. I don't care. All that matters to me is that the stories, generally speaking, are pretty much going to hold their own water. And um, there's something bigger to me in, involved in the thing. And uh, it, 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 to cap everything off, I'll, I'll do it this way. Jesus of Nazareth, his uh, disciples asked him one day, Master Rabbi, what will be a sign of the end and the, and the end of the world and all this? You know, tell us what's going on. He said, oh, okay, that's easy. He said, men's hearts will fail them for fear, seeing what's coming upon the earth. From out there, coming upon the earth. Hmm, I wonder if that could be a UFO type, maybe a craft of several hundred miles in size. You know, uh, maybe. Uh, but they're out there, and, they're, and to tell your audience, I, not, not, they're not just out there. The reason the aliens don't have a planet is because they're living on these things. That's where they were made, hats, cloned, and manufactured. The DNA comes from here. If you look at the the Nordic, is nothing but a human. It's human DNA. Where do they get human DNA? Not on Venus. Well, where where do they get uh, uh, Bigfoot DNA? Well, they probably don't get it on Mars. But Earth has got all kinds of DNA, just like that. They did a DNA test on Bigfoot, and it fit my my model perfectly. They found he was simian. Well, there's no big surprise about that. He's an ape-like creature. But they also found modern human woman's DNA in him. Where would you get modern human woman DNA from modern human women? These things are Crimea. They are gen 
They're genetically modified, and every one of the aliens are. So is the, I mean, what's, what are these seven-foot praying mantis? Where do you find those? Well, not around my house for sure, but you can find small ones about like that, but you can take the DNA out there, and Dr. Moreau, alien Dr. Moreau can make hatch clone or manufacture all kinds of neat stuff and bring them back here and you'll just be shocked and amazed while smart that thing is and he can manipulate you and make you think all kinds of things he'll make you love him or he'll make you fear him as if he were the devil himself so to speak but whatever he wants to do he's going to do and most of the time it's pretty effective so to me the 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 real story ultimately is who's behind all this well it certainly isn't the alien they're just simply doing their job well they're they're Immoral and they're demons. No, they're not. A demon, by definition, is a discarnate spirit. It's a it's, it's a spirit that doesn't have a body. Aliens don't inhabit people, but a demonic does. Oh, what? So then, what is a demon? Well, if you want to go to the Book of Isaiah, in in ancient Hebrew, he says specifically that a, a, that the the giants. They, they refer to them as the Raphim, the Anakim, the Zuzanim, Emim. These are different races of giants who lived all around the Salt Sea when they died. they It says they will not rise in the resurrection. What does that mean? It means they're still here. They didn't die and go to heaven or hell or wherever they're supposed to go. They're still here. That's why they're looking for a body to infect, to in, because that they want to carry on with the same things they did before. So the alien is not a demonic. He's not that. He, what he's doing is pretty bad. I think the, he's, the, the demon is just a JV team of the alien, and the alien is just a JV team of something far bigger, which kind of runs the show. Well, Mr. Darrow Sims, this was truly a treat, honor, and a privilege, and I will... You don't live too far from me, and we will definitely get more in person with with more. <laughs> he, think, he knows where we live, <laughs> um, and we will definitely get more uh, more. I guess in detail on some of these sure. other topics because you are you are an encyclopedia on a lot of these because you've only been doing it for. 40 years, so... Longer I, than that, actually, since I was four. So I have a lot to pick from that brain of yours. <laughs> it's been picked to clean. There's probably not anything left. But, Mr. Darrell, thank you very much. Thank you, sir. You're a good man. Yes, sir.